I'm here with Sam Watson. I might upload this as a podcast. I don't know. I'm definitely going to include it in the newsletter um, coming on Friday. I have recently read three of your books. I read uh, the last three. Yeah. Um, Chinatown, Coppola, and the AFI one, which is, you know, which is a, 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 a doorstopper. You know, Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a weapon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can definitely defend. You could. You could protect your. It's a bulletproof vest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like. So, what you grew up with a lot of these stories. Were you? Do you see yourself as like perfectly positioned to be the arbiter of that? Because it, <laughs> it's a trove that you were given. You know, you and Janine Basinger not anyone can translate all of that and rein it in and decide how to how to craft it into into a, a story the story of of hollywood do you think that had a lot to do with being brought up around it i do yeah and also knowing knowing the history when you're dealing with people's memories which are oftentimes faulty you have to be circumspect and if you know the history then you have a better sense of what's uh, true and what's important. So the combination of me and Janine, and way more so Janine, who knows this better than anyone, um, we were pretty confident um, that we could we could move through this honestly. Um, and what I think I bring from having grown up here is a degree of compassion for the movie business um the process the product the people um that i don't think is native to uh, anywhere else in america really um if you if you grow up about it grow up around it um uh you know these are people you know what the struggles are so it's easier to come by the humanity of what's often regarded as an inhumane business and culture I think I definitely gathered that as part of the sort of question and answer of the book, the arc being, you know, was the studio system good or bad in a way? And I, I take a nuanced answer from it, you know, after all of it, in a way it's, it's, I, I come away with more nostalgia than anything for it saying like, oh, there was a, an assembly line to have experts working on things that they could spend time becoming experts at and be compensated, you know, proportionately for it. And there was mentorship. There was, you know, a, a system whereby someone would go through ranks and become better and better and, and differently positioned. You know, you get a shot at one thing, you, you achieve that, and then you get to the next level, um, you know, contrasting that to today we right. do not have that system yeah. and i there's a lot of criticism that of course is in your book as well of the studio system but i think we are we are missing that i'm so glad that came through that was one of the reasons we wanted to write this book was to correct the misconception that the studio system was an oppressive anti anti-creative tyranny mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, it, it was not, it was a great place. Uh, nothing is perfect, um, but um, I think the studio system is as close to perfect as something can, can get. 
Um, yeah. There's always going to be conflict uh, wherever there is hierarchy, wherever there is money, wherever there are personalities, um, there is going to be conflict. But if you go through um, and you read everything, which we have, um, you know that the conflicts were, were minimal. And uh, if you don't believe me, um, look at the work. Look at what was on, look at it what worked. On the screen. It, yeah. it worked, you know, yeah. there's proof. We don't have to speculate about this. Um, they, they made, we used to make hundreds of movies a year and some of them were turkeys. Um, but when you make more movies, you make more great movies. And as you said, you practice better, you practice mm -hmm. more. So you get better. Um, today with no system, um, there's very little practice. Um, there's very little productivity. Um, the pressure is so high to hit that there's very little creative risk that's tolerable. And because of it, there's it no chances and no mentorship. And and there's very little there's very little mentorship. You know, you have to be, you know, because mentoring is a pro bono undertaking, you're not getting paid. You have to do it out of goodwill. You have to have the emotional bandwidth to do it. You have to be happy. You have to have time to spare. Yeah. You know, you have to want to bring up the next generation. And if you're worried about your own status, it's hard to be thinking about anything else. And that's part of what the problem is. Um, mentorship could happen in a previous generation because people were happier. Um, and, and also the studio took pride in wanting to develop talent. Um, the audience wanted to see talent and talent takes time. The studio knew that it was its own responsibility. Now, talent matters less. Yeah. Um, we don't go to the movies to see talent anymore. People go to see Meryl Streep because we know she's a great actress. So she's a draw because she's a great actress. A lot of times people go to the theater now because of the intellectual property. Mm -hmm. They want to see the Harry Potter installment, the Star Wars installment. Doesn't really matter who's in the movie or who made the movie. We just want to go see the next chapter. So talent matters less, and 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 therefore mentorship matters less. Jacob Elordi has three movies out right now, with wildly different campaigns and different receptions. I think there's very little crossover of a person who is just like, I like Jacob Elordi as an actor. I want to see yeah. things like Jacob Elordi. There are people who are getting in their feed, they're getting Saltburn. There are mm -hmm. people who are in their feed, the Sofia Coppola movie. And there mm -hmm. are people who are getting in their feed, you know, indie New York City centric Sweet East people. They are three completely distinct audiences that, I mean, I was talking to one of the filmmakers the other night about it, about like, you know, is is the Jacob Elordi bathwater candle virality selling more tickets to the Sweeties? Like, I I don't think anyone is I making. Don't think so. No, I don't think so. It's a weird thing. Something that I took from your book toward the uh, more of the early chapters, the idea, the mechanics of Fox, how Fox was when it was vertically integrated, that it was real estate, and it filled real estate and they had a pipeline to fill the real estate one would be there on the screen for longer than the other that's 
basically the only way that an outsider would understand what a quote hit was or not. Mm. If it didn't return, you know, no one would have to know. This wasn't just, you know, um, this wasn't just, you know, cohesive in the sense of like you can react to the public, but also it wasn't embarrassing. It wasn't, yeah. you know, a creative misstep, yeah. a creative, um, you know, a, a, a movie that was too artsy and didn't land with the mainstream audience wouldn't have to be, you know, um, shame, shamed, right. It was, it was gracious. Like you could just give it its run. And yeah. there wasn't like a report on Monday morning that said, well, it got good reviews, but it didn't land with the Midwest, you know? No, it was just Fox would keep it in the theater as long as audiences were interested in it. And then, you know, you might go back next week and, oh, it's not there anymore. Right. That was it. That was the biggest, you know, shame that there would be. And that, that was a no. I had never thought of that context. And, and you sketched that out really beautifully. It's, it's, I was just an hour ago talking on the phone with um, Hawk Koch, who was a great, who was one of the great ADs. He was a, the AD of Rosemary's Baby and um, Chinatown, amongst many others. And we were, we were complaining about this very thing. Why does box, why is box office or budgets, why is Hollywood finance anybody's business? What, what, application does it have to our lives it has application to the lives of the people working in the movie business mm -hmm. but what is it other than a way for the public to attack uh filmmakers um a way for them to feel superior um to uh filmmakers it is so complicated why a movie costs what it does and these decisions are made for so many reasons uh, sometimes successful, sometimes not successful, and nobody knows until the, the very results are not properly reported. Like you get the budget is there's five different ways. You know, money is not all the same money. There's equity, grants. Right. There is studio. There, there's all the studio versus private. There's all these different money. A dollar is not a dollar. Yeah, and on both ends the box office revenue of a theatrical release that movie might have gotten an insane svod pay one it might go for a long tail in avod stuff like that currently you know and that's not reported so the profit and loss is is inaccurate and and you can't apples and oranges you, you can't ab it you can't compare salt burn to sweet east to priscilla they are all financed so, so, so differently. And they are returned so, so, so differently. So it's, you know, it's a weird mechanism, but it's also comes from the separation of when you, you know, with Fox in the contrast of that is like Fox yeah. had a slate and they had an operating budget and they had overhead and they had investments and they had, you know, their, their properties that recoup things. And they needed that number to look good at the end of the year. But it was one, you know, it was two numbers, what we spend and what we earn. And however you get to that, you get to that. And that was a bunch of people operating, you know, on their own expert, whatever level. Now, the problem is like when you even even like A24 alone is co-fined, like, like one take one studio like Priscilla, you know, that or Amazon even like each one is its own bubble and it's evaluated. It, it can't live you know fox could have an art 
you know, they could have an art sensation, like a critical acclaim movie, and then they could have a mainstream comedy success. And those could balance. One could make more money than the other, but still be good for the studio. That doesn't exist anymore. You have to do all quadrants in one go. It's, it's, it's tough. And it used to, and that 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 was something that made the studio system so successful because they had so much product. Yeah, um, they could absorb their losses. Right, and they could take they could take risks. One could pay for th that. That's right. You know, movies didn't cost five hundred million dollars to make yeah. in those days. Um, yeah the the marketing there was no marketing campaign really in those days yeah. that money is just that money's not on the screen the 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 hundreds of millions of dollars a studio puts into selling a thing um so it was all the way around um better you know the the only thing you could say against it which i think actually works for it is that um The producers were the bosses, um, but they collaborated. You know, I, 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 you, you really don't hear stories, with the exception of like Orson Welles and Ambersons. You know, rarely do you hear these stories. Uh, Billy Wilder and um, Sherlock Holmes, The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, where the studio and the director really right. butted. Yeah. You, you you really don't hear those kinds of stories there. The few that there are, are, are overblown. And when you stack them up against the proportion of happy stories, it becomes, neg it's negligible. Well, it goes right into, you know, the most obvious thread there of Francis Ford Coppola, who lived in it and took notes and built his community and then attempted, you know, in, in multiple iterations of his life and and continues to mm -hmm. attempt to make his version, his his utopic version of that studio. So I don't know where where do you see in your brain having gone, you know, spent the last few years living in the AFI uh uh you know what, what do we call it? Uh, archive? Yeah, yeah, archives yeah. like the endless AFI archives of of all of those years. And then arguably not necessarily the biggest you know the best student of that game but the most i think you know uh, radical thinker radically thoughtful yeah critic and an, an analyst of that so w w yeah w what thinking of those two books together in, in your mind yeah. having the studio system book out and then the following year the coppola book out who is like I mean, it's a perfect contract. Exactly. Thank you, Sean. Yes, that's <laughs> you see where my thinking. You see where my thinking is, and the Chinatown book was about the end of that renaissance of the '70s, where the studio system did work again for a few years, and I mean a few. Calling it the '70s is, is too long. You know, we're we're talking 1969 to 1973, four, yeah. Yeah, I I see this as a story. I see Hollywood as a story of the rise and fall of a studio, studio system. And right. um, one of the reasons I admire Francis so much is because he understood that 
we need infrastructure in Hollywood. Um, it's not like writing a book or making a painting. Um, it's too expensive and too complicated. Um, um, you need a studio, um, unless you're John Cassavetes. You know, if if you're going to, if you think which is God, the book, which is contrasted, you say yeah. this. Yeah, you know, unless you're John Cassavetes, and be, because we have iPhones now, we can all be John Cass. You know, we can't all be John Cassavetes. We're not all that talented, but if we are talented, we have the means to do it. We can all yeah. take wrong notes from what made John Cassavetes special and fail yes. in our ways. Right, right. <laughs> but um, that's an exception. We need, we need a, a, a machine, uh, not a machine. We need a studio. I don't like to use Cassavetes. The word. I, I would even go further. Cassavetes had a version of the machine. He did have a version of the machine. But do you know um, what would the world be like? Let's put it another way. If Cassavetes did have the benefit of studio power and was allowed to work the way that he that he did, we would have more Cassavetes movies. There's yeah. no question. He wouldn't have to fight for distribution. He wouldn't have to spend his time um, working as an actor in things that he didn't like. Um, how many Cassavetes movies do we have? Eight? I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know. Not a lot. But would they be as you know racially charged and and radical as he was able to do you know operate on he said things in those yeah. movies that yeah. they weren't yeah, saying you know very much bolder than they call me mr tibbs you know that's like exactly that. right exactly right and we have cassavetes maybe saying they call me mr tibbs you know in his writing but we wouldn't have, you know, the way that they deal with jazz and shadows and stuff like that. Well, so, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe the, he would have gone in there and just fucked it up. And <laughs> I think he, I think in a, in a healthy system, um, he, he would have, and that's part of what the zoetrope story is about. Yeah, they, right. they were allowed to do what for a brief time, for a brief time, um, they would be allowed to do, hold on, I'm getting dinged. Let me turn this off. Um, they would be allowed to um, do what they, what they, with they, what they want with a caveat, which is you have to collaborate. Um, um, so Francis had this vision, he, and brought it to um, fruition. And that, to me, is the last time. Not to me. It is the last time anyone had said, "Let's." let's build a studio and revolutionize this process. Um, uh, DreamWorks was not a utopian undertaking. It was more of the same. Yeah. Um, it was just another, it was just another Whole Foods. It was, you know? it was projects. It was, yeah. it was yeah. they had power to package, yes. but it That's did not right. do the thing. It was not infrastructure like you described. Neither no. is you know, any of the, any of the systems we have today, like right. an A24 or, or a, you know, Netflix no. on whatever, they're not building. I think Amazon for a minute, the idea was to do that, but they didn't. And, they you know, did. with Ed Hope and, and Scott and those guys, but that's not what it is. It's projects and it's it, packages. And, you know, it's, it's, there might be at best a cohesive taste, but they are not, you know, setting you up they're not developing. I think what we get today is like, um, 
you get you get kind of what would be the word like you, you just get like implant like put in the spot you get the slot you know you get to go make that movie that gets to you know you get your chance at the zeitgeist moment and, and usually those I, I can't even think of one successful one where like they elevated a young filmmaker and they gave them that property or something like that or they gave them that budget i can think of all the bad examples and i, I don't want to spend you know i don't want to shit talk anyone but I can think of a lot of criticisms. I can't really think of anyone who they just like, you know, Greta Gerwig would be the best example of like, they gave her the keys to to the hot rod, you know, to the big right. machine and she did right by it. But most of the time, the other, I can think of two examples right now, very similar to Greta Gerwig who got the keys to the car and crashed it. And, and they're terrible movies, money losers that make it harder for other indie filmmakers to rise in the ranks. Greta Gerwig did right by it. But yeah. I'm sorry, my phone is ringing. Let me put it away. I hope yeah. you don't mind. I forget that. Uh, I forget that life goes on. Um, <laughs> I'm in here now. I'm in my bedroom. Nice. <laughs> I'm in my bedroom. Um, uh, yeah, it, this is not. This is not a healthy. This is not a healthy system. Um, uh, that the, they're not trained. They're not given more infrastructure. They're just. They're just given the slot and said, "Go do it." Here's the money and the opportunity and maybe the intellectual property but they're not given infrastructure like you said they're not given training they're just put in the position to go do it and maybe they can so so you know what do we do about this is the question you know what do we do i mean i i i've devoted my life to um trying to wake people up about this um, and it's very gratifying to hear that you get it. Uh, it's very gratifying. Um, it's it's not a politically correct point of view to praise Hollywood. You know, it's never been it's never been um, chic. You know, the East Coast intellectuals take take don't hesitate to to remind us. You know, don't hesitate to shit on Hollywood for being a commercial entity full of venal, uh, shallow people. No, I'm an East Coast intellectual. I'm a, I'm a New York City, fourth generation New York City kid, you know, yeah. living in parts of at Lincoln Center multiple times per week. Yeah. I say movies on purpose. Yeah, good. That's great. People use the word film and cinema and stuff. And, and I use those too. But I say movies is my, because I'm a movie kid. That's I, I go and I do right. slow cinema. I've read Paul Schrader books 17 times. You know, I... <laughs> I go to Locarno and I watch, you know, six a day with four lines of dialogue throughout it. I do all that stuff. But right. what do I, what do I, my love is I love movies. I go yeah. there, right wall, dark room. I love it. Yeah, that's so great, Sean. That's so healthy. It's such a great way to put it. And, and um, this division between, you know, a Hollywood film, you know, now it's pretty stark. Now the division between Hollywood and personal expression is more extreme, unfortunately. Um, but that's a sign of its decline. Hollywood doesn't, by definition, have to exclude personal expression. All yeah. the great movies that we love from the studio era, Alfred Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks. I mean, all of these movies, Peter Bogdanovich, all yeah. of these movies are personal expression. So that's that that's called that's called art. I, I have a friend, Alex, who said art is not a genre. 
I, I, I always loved that. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, when people say, you know, you like the artsy stuff or whatever. Like yes, yeah, no, no, you, you like the good stuff and, yeah. and it's very simple. What's good. It moves you. It's, it's very, it's about very a, simple. Yeah. You talk um, about Walter Murch. I, 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 I talk about in the blink of an eye and his rules, his rules to an edit are the more mo extrapolate that to every decision. And number one is emotion, you know, cut to emotion. Yes. Yes. Cut to emotion. So, you know, let's get into, um, um, you know, how emotional are these movies that we're seeing? Um, how deep are these movies that, that we're seeing, you know, um, for all the praise that's heaped upon, um, Oppenheimer, um, um, I, I, you know, I, I, there is nothing emotional in this movie. Yeah, I had two emotional moments in that movie. The opening shot, because I watched it in gigantic 70 millimeter, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then the, uh, you know, the crowd scene, which was awesome. The crowd scene. Yeah. Um, um, yeah uh, so are we getting emotional movies? And are we distinguishing emotion versus sensation? Mm -hmm. You know? One is a superficial thing. One is uh, one is uh, an adrenaline rush, you know. One, it, it's a, it's a line of cocaine, yeah. you know. Uh, um, versus Paul Byrne is a is a perfect cocaine. It, exactly, exactly. A bunch of coke, bunch of lines of coke in, of coke right. in it. Right, right. You're gonna show me bright colors and whip the camera around and cut, 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 and uh, all that stuff. Um, you know, you can walk out of the movie thinking you've had a cinematic experience, but you've been, you've been fooled. Um, yeah. you, you haven't had a, a cinematic experience. Um, uh, a movie like um, Past Lives, um, such a tender, such a tender, deep movie um which doesn't rely on dialogue to tell you what it is um it allows its people to speak visually it's it's on the screen you know the job is photographing and editing emotion mm -hmm. that's that's the job uh it's not speaking emotion it's finding cinematic correlates to the human experience um past lives past lives i felt did that um oppenheimer man um no <laughs> no um this this nolan this nolan bullshit is pernicious interstellar is my only nolan one that i love 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 that one i feel is is and coppola i actually had an exchange with him last oh, did week. You? just on on instagram he posted his chat about his his quote about love and from some talk he did a while ago uh -huh. and he and, and it's the anne hathaway speech you, you in you, you have to remind me. He, it's. It, I can send it to you. But okay. Anne Hathaway makes a speech about basically like the tangible, the tangible, the tangibility of love. That love, mm -hmm. that love, 
it's what Interstellar is about. And Coppola made a speech about that concept, I guess, I don't know, at some point, and he posted it. And um, and I remember that. Is Chastain in that picture? Yeah, yeah. That one was better. I'm glad you brought that up. All right, go ahead. I interrupted you. No, no, no. But Coppola, like, he, and and I said, I think you're talking about interstellar and he, and he said yeah exactly like so oh so he, you know we, we talked about it briefly but um it's it's the idea of the center point of so like the difference between oppenheimer and interstellar um oppenheimer is about you know a man coming to grips with his impact on it's, it's like it's very trite it, it's a deep but like not that deep idea that the movie is about so it's not an emotional idea it's about a man coming to grips with his impact and whatever and those around him whatever it's like not that and it's like ferrari it's like having to come to grips with your family and your company you know being um you know you having to create harmony and and having to come to come to terms with the fact that you have to have harmony between work and and family and that's what ferrari is about and it's just like there's no form to it it's just it's an idea it's an intellectualization but what was so incredible about Interstellar, which is what Coppola has, it's a, it's a Coppola movie because mm-hmm. you look at like Apocalypse Now and it is about, you talk about it, it's the seeds, it's the reaping, it's the harvest. The harvest mm-hmm. has to, wait, sorry, the same thing just happened to me. Um, the harvest has to happen. And there is a formal, tangible, you can create artifice of the harvest. He, he literally, he, ma- he makes it with the film. The mm-hmm. movie embodies the idea, the feeling, and, mm-hmm. and the audience, therefore, ju- genu- you know, actually genuinely goes through it. And Interstellar is so wonderful, I believe, because it makes you visually, formally understand yeah. how the idea, the feeling of love can impact your life and the yeah. world of I, I forgot about that. The ability to do. I have to go back and look at that again because I remember now seeing the movie and being surprised that I was as affected by it as it's I as I was. It's it's he, it's the only time he ever did it, but it is absolutely a Francis Ford Coppola movie because that's what. Sorry, I, I, same thing just happened. Um, it's all right. That's what right. Um, that's what Coppola does is he decides to use, you know, form and function, like emotion and idea. He makes the form an extension of the feeling, of the idea. Yeah, you, and have, you have to. That's what that's what big movies, you know, really do. That's why, uh, you know, taking like Scorsese, he's done it a couple times. You know, Taxi Driver is that because Schrader handed him the metaphor of loneliness, the, the box. And he got to visualize, he got to create that with, the cinematic medium, not just some meditation, not just some idea that's internal or or intellectual, but there's a special thing about certain ideas that get given form with with, with celluloid, and it's, most don't work that way. Like, like I think Barbie actually does it. I think Barbie brings the emotion of the idea that Greta Gerwig is grappling with to light lands it into the audience's heart in a way that a movie like a book couldn't do it uh, right she couldn't do it a movie needed to do it and she used 
the, the colors and the image and the energy and the music and all of that to get that idea into our heart. And Coppola is so wonderful because I think he says the way he chose one from the heart where he took Armie and Bernstein's idea and you, and you sketch it, you, you know, you, you dictate this through the, the book that, you know, he realized that that was an exercise. That was, a, that was the next, that was a progression for him in his assembling of all these people. And, and I think he feels probably, you know, his remote work and all that stuff kind of failed and kind of messed it all up. But he had these ideas of how to bring all of these people together through the making of it. And it, it was his goal. I love the movie, but I understand. Well, I love it. I love you for it. I, I don't, I don't love the movie, but I have so much affection for it that I feel I I'm so glad that you love it. I am so oh, glad that fun. you love it. I recognize it as failure while loving yeah, it. Right. I'm right with you. I'm right with you on that. I am right. What with are you. your favorite Coppola's? What's your Coppola watch list for people and why? Um, I, you know, it's pretty much the main line of Coppola. It's, it's, it's Godfather conversation, Godfather two apocalypse. Um, one from the heart. I'd be careful who I recommended to you and I understand. I, <laughs> I, I, I really like I really like Rumblefish a lot. Yeah. Um, I really I like the outsiders. Um, I, I, but I, I don't like what came after. I, I don't like what came after. I think he on the one hand became um, um, pretty anonymous as a filmmaker and then became really esoteric as a filmmaker. And um, um, so I don't like, I don't like a lot of it. I don't like a lot of it. So it's the sweet spot for you. Are there sweet any, spot. any of the early ones that you have an affinity for? I know you talked about, I'm a you know, big boy, but that was more contextual. I don't know if it meant that you cared about it, but any I'm of not, the, not like, such a fan, but you know what I would add is the movies Coppola produced. I mean, about, you know, uh, uh, Sophia, Sophia Coppola, Lost in Translation, The Black Stallion by the great Carol Ballard, American yep. Graffiti, George Lucas's best movie by far. Um, um, the, the, all of the work that Francis has done um, uh, as a builder of communities. Um, I count Zoetrope Studios not, not as a film, but as a, as a happening. Uh, <laughs> So I add those to my lists of, of favorites. Um, um, the, uh, but no, the, the rain people, I know it has its fans. Um, yeah. I find it to, to be um, uh, messy uh, and a little half-baked. Um, and of course, Finian's rainbow is a sad a sad case thx is playing metrograph right now oh cool thx i like thx yeah THX. i don't know what version but i imagine you know the standard regular one because it's 35. yeah i i am um, how are how is it going at, at metrograph um are they um i get their emails uh like as and, a i mean how is their programming been well Actually, so I, I had two more questions for you. And yeah. I'm right in line with that, actually. Mm -hmm. I, what do you think 
you know, movie theaters are going to look like in these coming years and these next chapters, do you think they will be dominant, dominated by new releases the way that they have been? Or do you think things like, you know, mixtures like Metrograph, Film Society, Film yeah. Forum, do you think it's going to be more repertory and stuff like that? I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a little bit of both, but I don't, I, I'm a person who despairs. I do not despair about yeah. uh, the movie theater. They're not going to be on every corner, you yeah. know, like they were. They're not going to be, it's not going to be every town. Yeah. Uh, but um, to quote, um, who is it? The guy who runs Metrograph. I spoke to him. I had, he's a great guy. Oh, oh. oh. yes. Yeah. He, I asked him this very question and he had a great answer. And he said, um, he said, you know, it's like going to a restaurant. Um, people can get their food delivered, but sometimes they want to go out. And I thought sure. that makes perfect sense. So um, the movie theater is going to be a restaurant. And that's why I thought it was so brilliant that he put a restaurant in his movie theater. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I don't just, I don't despair. I, I don't despair about it, but movies are no longer the center of the culture. And they they movie theaters are are going to suffer because of it you're coming in choppy now i can't hear you I lost you. Shit. Oh no, I can see you, but I can't hear you. What if I turn my screen off? Okay. <laughs> 